So my name is Danya, and as Jared mentioned, it was 10 years ago this month that we pulled off the freeway to move here, and we parked it up near 185th. Many of you know where that is, and um, I took my kids by one of our old apartments um, and just said, do you remember when we lived there? And of course, they don't remember because we lived in about eight places when we lived here in seven years, so you do the math on the moves. Um, but uh, I was thinking about how, you know, how many times I've walked in those doors, hundreds of times, I don't know, maybe thousands, and... Today was no different. We just feel loved by you, and um, we love you. And we are so deeply grateful for the time that we've had here, the seven years that God gave us, um, and in particular, our year and a half with Jared and Ann, which we were kind of talking about today. felt like longer. A lot happened in that year and a half, and um, one of those awesome things was a fantastic friendship with some of the most generous people that I've ever met. So I hope you know, I hope you know, just listen, how good you have it. (laughs) Um, In terms of our life in Cottage Grove, um, it's a small town. It wasn't necessarily the place I wanted to go. Any of you ever been there? God says, go here. And you're like, wait, where? I don't know about that. Well, um, it's, it's a small little town. It takes me half an hour to get to the grocery store. So that tells you one thing. Thankfully, we're right off the I-5 exit, so it's not terribly inconvenient, but 30 minutes, people. Okay, some of you live, like, down the street from Winco. You don't understand how good you have it. (laughs) Um, And I'm a runner. I love running. And I'll tell you, in order to get a good workout, I've got to kind of circle the community a couple times. (laughs) I've seen Cottage Grove a lot on my runs. Um, So, you know, I had this realization. um, How do I put it into words? God doesn't always take you where you want to go, but he always takes you where you need to go. And in our time in Cottage Grove, we have discovered that we are needed there and also that we need to be there. Um, This little town, we find it our mission to stick our hand smack in the middle of it and show people God's love. And one of the amazing things that we've got to be a part of is um, seeing a church that had a bit of a standoffish reputation transform only by the power and grace of God into a church that is welcoming people that would not normally darken a church door. And um, as we were singing tonight, I thought of the scripture um, where where Samuel is saying, God sees not the outward appearance, but the heart. And I thought, you know, Cottage Grove... If you, if, you, if you drove into Cottage Grove, there's about eight fast food restaurants, and you think it's just a rest stop. But God sees so much treasure in that little town, and we have had such an amazing time being a part of mining for gold. In fact, one of those pieces of gold is sitting right here, and I could cry because God is doing amazing things, not just in the people of Cottage Grove, but in us and in our kids and uh, thank you for sending us. Wow. Enough said. My goodness. That's so good. Well, I'm Isaac, and man, it's so fun to see many familiar faces. And we shared a lot of life here uh, in our time, seven years. 
and we ministered together, walked through life together, shared some tears, a lot of laughs, mostly at my expense, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> but I hope we all go away. Some of us are meeting for the first time. I hope we all go away encouraged that the lost are found. So I was standing in the baptismal tank with Maureen. And it's, all, it's like what happens here. Baptisms are happening and everybody's worshiping and people go down and we all cheer together because somebody is saying yes to Jesus. It's the six o'clock service. All right. And that's an interesting moment to be in. You can feel the emotions of the person that's in the tank with you. And oftentimes people feel a little bit on display. And I think Maureen did. Because she was very well known, a familiar face within our community. Her and her French Her and her French boyfriend were uh, This is Russ Havlick, everyone. Okay. If it happens again, I'm going to take that mic. But if not, I like this one. <laughs> I'm just waiting here for... <laughs> <laughs> I crack myself up. <laughs> Get it? Crack? Okay. That's all right. Like the sound. Okay. I was talking about Maureen, wasn't I? Yeah, okay. Yes. And she served a lot of lattes and coffee to people in the community. Her boyfriend is trained in Paris, so their coffee shop was fantastic. A lot of people came in. Well, in that moment, being in the baptistry, I was reminded of three days prior being in my office with Maureen and her friend Jennifer. And I got to listen as Jennifer shared the good news of Jesus Christ with Maureen. Telling Maureen about her own baptism just six months prior and how important that had been. And inviting Maureen to put her faith in Jesus Christ and then to be baptized. As Jennifer was telling that story, I was reminded of four weeks after her baptism, six months prior. And she called me on the phone, and you have to know that Jennifer was so enthusiastic when she discovered Jesus. It was all just amazing. Jesus is the answer. But this message was different. She said, Isaac, Pastor Isaac, I need to talk to you. And so I called her back, and I'm thinking I'm going to have to encourage her with the, the good in spite of uh, whatever difficulty she's going through, that God is with her. And so I, I said, Jennifer, what's the matter? And she goes, well, I baptized somebody yesterday. <laughs> I'll clue you in here to pastoral ministry. This isn't the typical phone call you get from someone that's been a Christian for four weeks. 
And I said, wow. I mean, I'm just blown away like you are. Tell me more. She said, well, I have this friend, and he's been following Jesus for the last couple of years. He's never been baptized. And I told him that baptism was so compelling to me. So I took him down to the Willamette River, and I baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it was, it was, I was like, that is amazing. I didn't know that Jennifer was friends with Maureen. As a matter of fact, I didn't know that until they were in my office together on that day. But I had met Maureen three years ago. See, my friend and yours, if you're around here, you know Kim Lawless, children's pastor. She's from Cottage Grove. And when we were invited to consider going to Cottage Grove and taking that church, she said, when you go visit, you have to go to this little French cafe called Fleur de Lis. It's amazing. So we did. And I met Maureen. And when we moved to Cottage Grove, I would frequent that coffee shop. Because if you know me, I love coffee shops. And I got to know Maureen. She has a Brooklyn accent, which brought some spice to that otherwise sophisticated French environment. And she would say things like, you know, Isaac, I should come talk to you sometime. God put her friend Jennifer in his grace so that Jennifer could in turn extend that to her. The lost are being found. It's just one story. There's so many stories. I'm going to tell you a few more. When I was a senior in high school, I went to high school in Cresswell, which is near Cottage Grove. I was on the basketball team, and we had a transfer junior that came in from another school. His name was Justin. And Justin and I played together that year. He was a nice guy. We got along just fine. And But after high school, I thought I would... Never see him again. Then we moved to Cottage Grove. And I met his mom. His mom started coming to our church, and she was loving Jesus. And she filled me in with what had been happening with Justin since high school. He had been stricken with cancer. Last summer, I officiated the wedding of Justin's cousin. And I got to meet him at the wedding, and we had a face-to-face -face conversation. And I saw him walking with a limp. The cancerous tumor had ravaged his leg. And we exchanged information, and we text back and forth a little bit. This last fall, he attended church for the first time. In December, I visited him in the hospital twice. Cancer is back. They're just giving him a few months to live. Last week, he texted me. He said, I want to be baptized. So yesterday morning, I drove out Mosby Crick Road. Yes, you heard me say Crick. <laughs> I turned left on Perkins Creek Road, because that's the other way you say that word. And drove another couple of miles to Justin's aunt and uncle's house. And in a hot tub in front of friends and family, I baptized Justin. The lost are being found. Justin's grandpa says, I think God is really amazing that you had that one year with him 17 years ago. So that now he could receive from you. Maybe he wouldn't have been able to receive from someone else. And God can work through anyone. But I was absolutely astounded to see God seeking the lost, finding them, and bringing them to situations and possibilities where they could say yes 
to his grace and to his love. The lost are found. That's why you're here. You've been found or are being found. You're in a relationship with Jesus or you're on your way to relationship with Jesus and you want to participate with this great mission. And many of us have discovered or are discovering that we want to be the fulfillment of what the New Testament calls us, what the Bible calls us. See, the Bible has crazy things it calls us. One, it calls us ministers, not, not just the, 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 the professionals, the upfront people, the people that have their names on the literature, but actually all who follow Jesus are referred to as ministers. This is, this is what we're called. This is what we get to walk in. We have this ministry of partnering with God's great mission, finding the lost. The Bible also uses a word to describe you and I, ambassadors. We didn't create the message, but on behalf of him, we carry that message with us. And one of my favorites is in Philippians 1, Paul is giving thanks to the church in Philippi, and he's thanking them for their partnership with spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Partnership, not not just their help, not just their attendance at ministry functions, but them taking equal responsibility as a partnership is and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, if, if Ann and I decided to open up a legal practice, it wouldn't, we wouldn't call it a partnership if it was Hovitt and Roth if I was the legal secretary or I had a minimal role or administrative role. Only if I took full partnership, equal responsibility in carrying the highest function of that Would it be a partnership? And that's what the New Testament calls us. Partners with bringing those who are lost into the finding arms of Jesus Christ. That's why you're here, and we get to encourage you along on that journey. Thank you. About a year and a half ago, Amy, who's in her early 20s, came up to me after her service and said, I need to go rescue my sister, Olivia. Olivia just graduated from high school down in Utah. And as Amy began to describe the situation Olivia was in, I heard what sounded like abuse and manipulation and control and just a horrible environment. And Amy said, would you pray for me? I'm driving all day and I'm going to go to Utah, and then I'm going to drive all night with my sister. I'm going on a rescue mission. And it sounded crazy, but I prayed with Amy, and the next week we got to meet Olivia. Olivia came with her King James Version Bible, and it became apparent as I talked to her that she had grown up understanding the, the what to do and what not to do and the rules and regulations of being a good person. But our church family got to introduce her to love and the grace of God. And she began to grow. She began to come alive. And she began to serve. Her intent was always to go into the Navy. But just before uh, she enlisted, she met who was a Navy chaplain at our church. And she discovered, and she told the church this. She said, I've discovered that God is calling me to be a Navy chaplain. To serve those who are in our armed services. Just amazing. This girl who is lost being found. She wrote us a letter this last week. 
Hello, dear Cottage Grove Faith Center. Hello from Chicago, Illinois. I'm in boot camp and enjoying it. We're tough in Cottage Grove, too. That's the way it is. She talks a little bit about what that's like, and then she says, I am an RPO, which is a religious petty officer. She's talking about the services that she gets to help provide to minister to those who are enlisted in our armed forces. And she, with pride, talks about the contemporary Christian service being the biggest. She writes this, I love being able to serve the Lord even here at boot camp. I also love being able to serve my fellow recruits. The Lord moves us to do great things sometimes. The best verses that have helped me the past couple of days and weeks have been Psalm 20. I'm thankful for all the love and support at home. I hope you are all well, and I send my prayers. Please write whenever possible. Sincerely, Olivia. God finding, rescuing, redeeming, restoring, and giving hope the new identity and purpose. Olivia was lost, and now she's been found. Well, Jesus would tell stories that would help us to recognize what it was like when God was working and what he was doing. And in Luke chapter 15, it'll be here on the screen, Jesus tells a story so that we would understand what it was like when God was at work. Luke records, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. I wonder what Pharisees would have to say about us. (laughs) That he was even eating with them. Let's all do a collective gasp together on the count of three. One, two, three. (gasps) Some of you have a drama background. That was pretty good. (laughs) This was pretty audacious in this culture to eat with these sinners. Probably went to Evergreen. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And you can feel like the pause as Jesus would pause for effect here. The people are processing, what is he getting at? And he explains, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Jesus says, when God shows up, the lost will be found. When God shows up, the dirty will be clean. When God shows up, Those who are sick will be made well. When God shows up, those with a heritage of baggage will be made new again and redirected. Another way we could summarize this is when God shows up, things might be messy. Jesus wanted us to recognize what it would be like. 
The same day that Jennifer, who baptized the person in the Lamb River, showed up, Renee showed up at church back in May. And she shared this with us on a response card she wrote. I thank God daily for my life and my children. This is the first Mother's Day I haven't had my children. Please pray. See, Renee's life decisions had excluded her from relationship with her children by authority of the state. You see this picture a month later, her being baptized. It's just amazing. She's receiving grace and love and forgiveness and hope. And she just begins swimming in this atmosphere of love that God has created at Cottage Grove Faith Center. She's finding hope and she's making connections. And we find out that she's an artist and she begins painting some things in children's ministry. And I'm happy to tell you, in December, she brought her children to church with her for the first time. And she excitedly told me about the new visitation arrangement that had been created as a result of her life change and what God is doing. The lost are found. And telling you these stories because I, I hope and I, I know it's what you want to. You want to see yourself in that story and you want to begin seeing your life maybe differently than what it comes natural to us. Because we see immediately what's in front of us and we evaluate it as being good or bad or preferred or not preferred. But God has this way of putting in front of us these people that are lost so that we can come across their path and help to participate with what God is doing. You see, God is doing this great work. The Bible talks about him drawing people. And the word I like to use is God is wooing. Did I just say woo? God would like to use is woo. I like to use woo. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you guys are following anymore. <laughs> but God's drawing powers like woo. Woo is like chocolate chip cookies. In the kitchen. Nobody is pushing me. Nobody is coercing me. But I find myself in the kitchen. That's woo. See, God is doing that. He's drawing people to himself. And then I get, just God is, he's like, I'm drawing this person. They're getting it. They're, they're coming. And then he says, I have Josephine in Hillsborough. I'm, my friend is going to cross Josephine's path. They're going to meet because I know that Josephine carries the grace and love of me. And oh, it's so amazing, my divine arrangement. And this plan is so good. We can begin and being, we can be expecting God to find the lost through our simple obedience with him. Well, this next story you'll see is about my friend Robert and Robert is here tonight and you have a chance to talk to him after the service and uh, he showed courage to 
put his story on video for us so we can continue to see how the lost are found. And uh, this is a burly story for some of you. Like, okay, this feels sappy and a little... Well, this is as burly as it comes. Take a look at Robert 